Hey everyone, welcome back to the Literacy-Based Speech Therapy Podcast. My name is Kaylin. And my name is Ashley. We are both licensed speech-language pathologists. If you have a love of picture books and want fresh ideas for using them in your therapy sessions, then you're in the right place. So today, our episode is all about narrative assessment. There's clearly a lot to assess, you know, globally when we're looking at literacy. But on this side, we are going to chat specifically about assessing narrative language skills. We will have some upcoming episodes about decoding and other phonemic, you know, foundational skills. Here's a little of the evidence to support SLPs, including narratives as a part of a language evaluation or screening. As we've said before, literacy is language, so it is our scope of practice. Narrative language skills have routinely been identified as one of the single best indicators of future academic success. Right. There's a 2020 study of second graders that showed large and small group multi-tiered oral narrative instruction improved not only their oral narrative language, but also reading comprehension and written comprehension. And then a study in 2012 showed that narrative analysis helped distinguish those children with language impairment from their typically developing peers. So narrative analysis is, you know, super important to include. Mm -hmm. And another study in 2014 showed that weaknesses in the area of narrative ability possess adverse impact on academic performance in the areas of oral language, reading, and written expression. Narrative weaknesses also significantly correlate with social communication deficits. And narrative retelling, it bridges that gap between oral and written language, and it's important for appropriate reading and writing development. It provides insight into a child's you know, verbal expression since it taps into that multiple language features and then the organizational abilities simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And assessments of narratives is also important because poor storytelling skills are indicative of social pragmatic language impairment. In fact, part of the diagnostic criteria of social pragmatic communication disorder in the DSM-5 is difficulties following rules for conversation and storytelling. Yeah. So just a disclaimer about formal standardized testing that we all do, you know, on this podcast and like just between, you know, us, we can't know the specific guidelines that, you know, everyone across the country is required to use for your mm-hmm. specific school or your, or your district. We've hesitated a little bit about even discussing it because there's no way that we can know, you know, we know you're limited into what your school or clinic provides. I was a private practice, so I could choose whatever assessments that I wanted, you know, I, I know Kaylin, you had to, you had to use exactly, you know, only what your school provided. Mm-hmm. So just really quickly, we did want to share that for a formal assessment, we love the tills. It's the gold standard for assessing literacy and language. I know a lot of people use like the cell for the PLA, you know, other, there's a lot of tests out there, but currently looking at the research, the tills is the only comprehensive test on the market which possesses those solid psychometric properties and addresses literacy. So I personally highly recommend it. I bought it as as soon as it first came out and it's 
it's been invaluable in my clinical practice. And I think they are revising the tills, but I haven't read of the exact date it will be out. There has been some pushback about one of the passages having a negative connotation, but regardless, the tills is the most comprehensive language and literacy assessment. Right. And so, you know, I mean, standardized testing is important. We all have to do it. But just like, I mean, with any formal standardized testing, you can miss a lot of the nuances of language. So, you know, a lot of our kids may evidence like appropriate performance on a standardized test, but they're still going to, we're, you know, it's like, you know, there's still stuff going on or even, you know, vice versa, but there's still like can be some significant delays for narrative production. So as SLPs, we need to specifically assess narratives in children because it they just run that risk of it's overlooking that weakness. I mean, because even on our earlier episode about apraxia, you still have to assess those kids for, you know, reading issues because a lot of them have those, you know, those, it's overlapping areas of language. So we still have to look specifically with all of our language testing. We've got to look at narratives as part of our a comprehensive language assessment. Yeah. And if you can incorporate informal narrative assessment, that's a great way to evaluate all of these concepts. Uh, it can provide more detailed information regarding the microstructural and macrostructural elements, as well as a child's thought processes and social emotional functioning. So mm-hmm. two types of these, the narratives we assess are the personal narratives and fictional narratives. Right. So personal narratives, it's a large section of functional discourse. It's what, what we commonly have in our daily spontaneous conversation and, you know, of all children, typically developing preschool, school age children, this can be an event that happened to them personally, like they went to a birthday party or their soccer game over the weekend. Yeah, so they require the speaker to organize an account or a recount of past experiences, although they are natural to tell. They also require that the storyteller makes the story interesting to listeners so not to lose their Mm -hmm. attention. So similarly, fictional narratives, these are the made-up stories like we read in picture books, tap into the (laughs) child's knowledge of organizational framework and are sensitive to the language impairments. Right. The the fictional narratives specifically have been routinely identified as that single best predictor of future academic success. And it's it's one of the reasons why we include them narrative assessments in, you know, all of my book companions on in my TPT store. In general, for language or for narrative language assessments, here are things we're looking for at the micro and macro structure. When analyzing microstructure, we're looking at the child's grammar, syntax, and vocabulary competence, so the content and inform. When we examine macro structure, we're looking at the child's use of language. So what we're looking at is the story organized and cohesive. Does it contain story grammar elements commensurate when, you know, with their age setting, you know, does it have the setting, the initiating event, internal response, the attempts, the consequence and all the reaction. So 
Yeah, we expect a six-year-old student to be at the true narratives level, mm-hmm. characterized by a well-developed plot, character development, clear sequencing of events, and consistent perspectives which focus around an incident in a story. So I, because I get that question a lot of, well, when, when do they need to be able to tell a complete story? Like what's that age? And it kind of surprises me. I feel like six is young, but they need, a a six-year-old should be able to tell a complete story. So here are the aspects of our evaluation when we're looking at a narrative. Here are the components we want to be aware of. So first is sequencing ability. Mm -hmm. So is the story order appropriate or jumbled up? The next is working memory, which is kind of abstract, but we can still evaluate it. Mm -hmm. And it's when the child, is the child using enough details? Are these details relevant to the story? Mm -hmm. And then the next is grammar. So does the sentence structure contain errors such as run-on sentences or incorrectly produced words? Is the child using temporal markers and cohesive ties to connect the story together? Or are they just saying, and then, and then, and then, and then? (laughs) Is the child's sentence complexity adequate for their age? Yeah, that's easily measurable. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, vocabulary. So is it immature vocabulary or age level? Does the child have word retrieval issues or is she he maintaining lexical fluency right and then we also look at pragmatics is their story cohesion and coherence is there adequate use of anaphoric references so pronouns identifying characters and then the last thing we always look for is their ability for perspective taking Mm -hmm. So does a child have appropriate insight into characters, feelings, beliefs, and thoughts? So those are all the things that we like to assess. And then, you know, I guess the next topic is, you know, how do we do that? And for those, for that informal narrative screening, we love using wordless picture books or, you know, just picture Mm -hmm. books in general. But the wordless picture books, it can be just this phenomenal tool for assessing that narrative language. Mm-hmm. So they don't have words. And if they do have words like dude or good gorilla, it's literally mm-hmm. just one word or two words and they're the same. So wordless picture books offer the freedom to a child to take, and it takes that burden and intimidation mm-hmm. of reading away. The absence of text makes them accessible to a student of any ability and is ideal for assessing inferencing, vocabulary, story grammar, cohesive ties, and so much more. So in 2015, a study showed children rely on their oral language ability to tell a story when they are not burdened with the task of decoding the text. It's a true assessment because you're not looking Mm -hmm. at their reading text ability. So the wordless picture books that we recommend that you use for narrative assessment, and this, these books are, you know, I've seen these, you know, posted about in different, you know, topics about narrative assessment. So the wordless books, the the Mercer Mayer books, The Frog, Where Are You? And A Boy, A Dog, and A Frog. I like both of those books. So the other ones, they're not, they're not wordless per se, or, you know, A Ball for Daisy. You can also use A Ball for Daisy. It's wordless. Chalk is wordless. And then, so the not wordless books that we like are, um, I like the Helen Lester books. So all the Tacky the Penguin books, and she has a lot of books. They're just really good. It grasps a lot of the concepts that we mentioned earlier. And then 
you all know, we, we love Dr. DeSoto mm-hmm. uh, by William Stieg. It's not, obviously it's not wordless. You know, this book, they do need to read the text too, but you're going to get, you're going to be able to assess, especially with older students, those inferencing, those, you know, higher level, higher level language and some vocabulary. So we love all of those books. And I mean, I would just have them on my bookshelf ready to go to grab. Mm-hmm. It's really going to assess their ability to inference and to mm-hmm. to think outside the boxes. But like yeah. with chalk, the fact that chalk doesn't really come to life, but being able to understand that's what's going on in that book. So mm-hmm. that's just depending on the child's age, you can read the story to the child first and then have them retell it by covering up the words or ask the child to read the story to you. So, Ashley, you've mentioned that you prefer to have the child read to you, read the story to you, because it also allows you to assess the child's reading skills in the areas of phonological awareness, phonics, reading fluency, vocabulary, as well as reading comprehension. Well, and I think that just means like, you know, read to me can mean actually read the story. I mean, if they're old enough to read a book. But also, if it's that wordless book, you just hand them the book. They can flip through it and get familiar with it. But you're not saying it first, right? Like, you're not reading the story and then them retelling it to you. Mm-hmm. Because those are two different approaches. And I think both are both are acceptable, right? So you can either have them read it to you first with you not have said anything. Just, you know, look through the book and read the story to me. And but the other way is to you read it to them first and then ha- cover up the words. If it is a, ha- if it does have words in it, cover up the words and then have them tell it back to you. I, I mean, again, I think it's depending on the, the child's age as well as the, uh, what you estimate might be the extent of his or her, like their language severity. I may show them the pictures from the story and cover up the words or ask, you know, just ask the child to tell the story back to me without that benefit of the visual support of the words. Mm-hmm. And as the child is retelling the story, you could record or video his or her narrative Always. so that Always. later you can transcribe and analyze it. As the child is retelling the story, you may also provide like verbal prompts such as what else can you tell me or can you tell me more to elicit additional information? Right. I mean, I always record and, you know, I always do provide those verbal prompts. However, you just don't want to prompt them so much that the child, like so much excessively that because we want that true spontaneous story from them. Mm -hmm. You're, you're assessing. So it's the same as whenever you're providing a standardized assessment, you don't want to prompt too much because you want to get their true function. Right. So hopefully that was helpful with how we assess narrative language as a part of a comprehensive language assessment. And again, we're going to, on upcoming episodes, we're going to share about, you know, other aspects of assessment as far as, especially those foundational, you know, phonics and phonological assessments as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We know you're a busy SLP, so thanks for spending some of your time with us today. Click the description for this episode on your listening app or go to sweetsouthernspeech.com to access the show notes. We will include any links mentioned. 
And to continue the conversation, come hang out with us on Instagram at Literacy Based Speech Therapy, where we share lots of books to use in your therapy sessions. We would love to hear your thoughts on what you heard today. Please leave us a review on your listening app. We'll catch you in the next episode.